homily for the solemnity of our Lord Jesus Christ, King of the Universe. St. Mary's Church, Grand Forks, Sunday, November 21st, 2021. Allow me first of all to wish you and your families who are listening to this podcast a very happy Thanksgiving. Think back on our ancestors living in Europe about 600 years ago, in the year 1421. The idea of a king or a count or a duke, what have you, governing their land was taken for granted. Maybe they never saw the king in person during their lifetime. Maybe their hut was one hundredth the size of his castle, but they couldn't have expected any different form of governance. Whether virtuous or wicked, a king was in charge, and that was that. Nowadays, the paradigm has changed. Many industrialized nations have retained their royal families, but they are ceremonial heads of state. For example, Norway has a duly elected prime minister as well as a king. The former runs the country, while the latter is more of a goodwill ambassador. For example, the king of Norway comes to America every so often to meet and greet at the Norse Coast Fest in Minot, and for whatever else in America may grab his interest. And then there are those kings who actually rule their subjects with an iron fist. Maybe they're not all corrupt or tyrannical, but we can bet they didn't just fall into the job. They grasp the throne tightly and have no intention of letting go. In the modern world, we seem unable to find any middle ground here. A king is either seen as a mere figurehead or a cruel despot. Such polluted waters do not make for a healthy environment. So as we approach this celebration of our Lord Jesus Christ, King of the Universe, just how are we to understand the kingship of Jesus and what it means for us? Let's begin by looking at the history of Israel. For about 250 years or so after the time of Moses, the Hebrews intentionally did not have a king. God was in charge of the country. Those most renowned for their leadership during this period, like Joshua and Samson, refused to be called by that name. The law was to be their king, and through the law, God himself. Following a string of humiliating military defeats, an increasing number of Israelites clamored out of rebellion for a king, like the other nations had. The prophet Samuel tried to talk them out of it, reminding the people of the kinds of things royalty can demand from their subjects, but they persisted. God acceded to their request. Once Saul and later David and Solomon were chosen and anointed, the precedent of kings in Israel was set. In the fullness of time, however, God devised a new kind of kingship for them. The king is Jesus. In him, God entered humanity and espoused it to himself. Many times in the Gospels, Jesus would teach his disciples about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, often in the form of comparison by way of parables. But this kingdom was not to be in the typical mode of a burdensome yoke. Rather, it would dwell in our hearts. As more and more believers pledge allegiance to this reign, 
the world is thereby transformed. We celebrate the solemnity of Christ, the King, not as people who are subjugated or oppressed, but as sons and daughters of the Father, delighting in the fullness of life in his household. We see today how impossible it was for Christ to describe his kingdom in merely worldly categories. Pontius Pilate had no idea what to do with the man standing before him in today's Gospel reading, which may sound familiar because it appears in the Passion that we hear every year on Good Friday. As an aside, this is a good time to explain the INRI that you often find on crucifixes. The Romans would affix a placard to the cross stating who was crucified and what they had done to deserve it. Christian art reduces the message to an acronym of four Latin words, Jesu Nazareum Rex Eudorum, translated as Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. The chief priests were perturbed with Pilate for writing that, because they most definitely did not acclaim Jesus as their king. There is a trace of sarcasm to Pilate's question of, Are you the king of the Jews? Seeing our Lord shackled and bloody from a scourging, he may have thought, Take a look at yourself in the mirror, man. Some king you appear to be. But mostly there's an earnest curiosity. How can the word king apply to a man who has no land and no soldiers? Notice that Jesus did not deny his kingship. Many impostors had stood in judgment before the likes of Pilate. Jesus was unlike any of them. Jesus possessed such authority and dignity because he is the truth. The truth is his realm, and the truth about our purpose and destiny will always remain, no matter who runs the show on planet Earth. Because Christ's kingdom did not come about by worldly means, no worldly means can overthrow it, although many are trying their hardest. When teaching us to pray, Thy kingdom come, Jesus spoke of something subtler than conquest or military might. This day also reminds us that the kingdom of Jesus exacts a price. It costs us something. Repeatedly, the Lord has told us, Whoever does not take up his cross every day and follow me cannot be my disciple. This feast day responds in part to an expression of faith which is kept private and personal. The trap here is to pray with no effort to take action, so as to change what is wrong in the world around us. The Lord's adversaries would love for us to keep our practice of faith in him confined within these walls. They resent religious liberty, or mock the idea outright, speaking instead of a so-called freedom to worship an hour a week, out of sight and out of mind as far as they're concerned. We need to be the same people of faith kneeling in these pews as we are working in our offices, shopping in the stores, or going to the ballot box. If Christ truly is our King, we can never say that we are personally opposed to certain behaviors because of our faith, but permissive of them elsewhere. Maybe there are times when we'd prefer to be quiet and not stand out. But then, when we do this, 
what king do we serve? Paying lip service is cheap. To love Christ demands something more. When you think about it, there are several times during the year when we specifically praise the kingship of Christ. On Epiphany Sunday, we join the wise men as they bow in adoration of God-made man. On Palm Sunday, we join the crowds who joyfully welcomed Christ the King to Jerusalem. On Holy Saturday night, the prayer the priest recites when lighting the Easter candle praises Jesus as the Alpha and Omega, a term that we heard in today's second reading. We add Christ the King Sunday to these, commending both ourselves and the whole world to him who alone is the Prince of Peace. We cannot reflect often enough on what Jesus, our King, is asking of us. We look for the grace to be bold enough to let his kingdom be what rules our lives. Amen.